Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tamara, your host. I'm with Tamara Gondor. That's me. I'm so excited for today's interview. Hey, I have a favor for all of you out there listening. I know you get a ton of nuggets of insights out of these incredible guests, these everyday innovators from across the globe. I want to remind you to go leave us a review because a review for the show is really Think of it as a round of applause for our guests. These are incredible people. These aren't the people that always are on the stage or have a book or even people who are like maybe big names out in the world. What they are, which I think is even more important, are people who are out there doing it. They're innovating, they're influencing others, and they're making an impact, which is why they're on. And they're everyone from leaders and CEOs of big companies to emerging leaders, junior staff, frontline staff, entrepreneurs, intrapreneurs, business owners. They're from all over, but the common thread is that they're driving innovation. They're thinking differently and getting results. And that's why I love having these people on. I learn something every day. I need like my own little pad of paper for just everything I learn in these interviews. So with that said, let me tell you a little bit about today's everyday innovator, which is Margie. I'm going to tell you about her everyday innovator style before I introduce, or she introduces herself. So Margie is a collaborative inquisitive. And so here's what you're going to hear when she's talking. And I know her, so I actually already know this to be the case. I have like inside baseball right here. So she's a collaborative inquisitive. So that means collaborative is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create a whole innovation. So collaboratives tend to like to be in conversation and be in new experiences because it's how they pull those nuggets out. I think of it as like taking pieces of a puzzle, but putting the picture together in a new way. And then the inquisitive side is all about digging deep, challenging assumptions. For inquisitives, innovations in the question, not the answer. So if you hear an inquisitive talking, they're often talking in questions. Well, I wonder why that is. Well, how could we do it that way? So while a lot of us play on the surface, people like Margie tend to dig deep. So the magic in this everyday innovator style is that she brings whole deep innovation to the table, which I've known from watching her um, and just knowing her for a couple of years now. I can't wait to hear about it. So Margie, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Thank you, Tamara. Uh, this is so fun. Um, I wish every day was like this, right? So we do. just get to talk and um, and figure things out. Um, I'm Margie Malden. I own a company called Executive Forum. I was just telling Tamara um, a few moments ago, this is my 35th year in business. Um, and it is true that I did start in junior high school. So just so you know that. Um, and I've had just a lot of fun with this uh, business, meeting people, growing, responding, uh, looking at different trends in uh, business and in leadership development. My goal is to help people get better. It's pretty simple. Um, through um, through words, through learning, through exchanges, and to just help people get better. Uh, just a quick story from background. Years, years ago, I got my elevator pitch down, and I would say, I'm a small woman business owner. 
they would pause and snicker. And um, they said, you're a woman-owned small business owner, not a small woman. And so it was just really a funny play on words. And the next time this individual saw me, I was pregnant and not so small. So it didn't work (laughs) out at all. Um, You know what I love about that story, Margie, is first of all, it makes me laugh. And and you are petite. So it's kind of like true, but not true, what you were trying to say. But I love I love it because I think we get stuck in our head how things should be or what we think is the right way to go to market with something. And so like it gets ingrained in us and then and then our potential customer, the people that we meet, look at us, our leadership, it goes, What? Or like, yeah, I'm a small woman. And they're like, wait. <laughs> small woman on. business owner. Yeah, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> so words, right? It sounded good. Yeah. And words and the sequence of words really matter. Um I uh, I've always had a knack for seeing process or people issues and how those come together or how people get stuck in those. You know, we can't see it in ourselves, right? But we can sometimes see it um, in other places. And that's been a, a knack, a gift, I would say, that I have. So I have to ask then, will you, can you share another story or a way that you've used that gift? Because that is an interesting thing to be able to see in others. Um. That is interesting. Let me think about that. We didn't talk about, we didn't prep up this question. So I'll try to roll fast on this. Um, I did have a client uh, once who who was very uh, intelligent and she was also um, a little bit of a cynic and sarcastic and it started getting in her way. She like once she called out someone who came in late to a meeting and said, oh, I guess you really enjoyed that late night happy hour last night. And oh. it was the Awkward. woman was mortified. It was in front of a group of um, many people, a hundred people, but still being called out with some sarcasm, which you might think is clever. That That's tough to take sometimes, especially from a leader. I think sometimes we get lazy with our words. Um, and what I mean by that is I'm especially thinking about when we're trying to communicate a new idea or innovation. You know, we're like, here's our idea. We think the idea is going to sell itself. So we get lazy. We go, well, what do you think? How does that work? Versus thinking about what can I ask somebody, you know, that would engage them in the conversation. Um, yeah, I, I just think that laziness sometimes plays it too, or we rest on what we think we're presenting to the person. So we don't, we don't put the effort into, well, how am I going to communicate this? Right. Continuing to fill something out. I, uh, in our feedback class, we talk a lot about being specific and observable, using words that are specific and observable. And one of our exercises looks at about 10 to 12 words that are very vague, sometimes, usually, often, occasionally. Yes, those types of words. And what's interesting, when we ask people to give their opinion about the measurement of those, uh, sometimes can mean 30% of the time to some people, and it can mean 60% to others. That's a big difference if that's your boss. Sometimes. Um, okay, will you flip it for me for a minute? What's an observable specific word? An observable specific word or phrase would be 
um, if you're giving feedback to someone, last week's data report was missing three critical areas and four of the numbers were wrong as opposed to last week's report was not very good. Yeah. And some of it wasn't right. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, is that helpful? Yeah, no, that was great. I love that we dug into that just as a great opening, like mic drop value, like, Hey, pay attention to your words. Words matter. I think you were talking about in relation to feedback. I think it covers a lot of different things. But I, I love that lesson of just really being intentional about how you communicate with others um, because we do get, I, I don't know if we get lazy or we don't realize the impact or we just, in our heads, we know what it means. We know sometimes it means three, right, to us. But to your point, that's six to you and three to me. So I love that we opened up with that. I want to ask you, what's a recent win or something that you're proud of, Margie? Oh, wow. I would, um, I'm sick about talking about COVID, really, aren't we all? But during COVID, um, we had to um, close down our in-person programming. And that was uh, tough. And as you know, it was a faucet that we all turned off. And we had the ability then to offer um, some online programming to our clients. And it took a lot of back-end reformulation and reimagining how we would take something like that to market, but to just decide one afternoon, we're going to do that. And we don't, we don't really, I I don't understand what that will mean in six months, but we feel like we had, we want to do it now. And we were able to do that. I, I was really happy to be able to provide things. I want to ask you a question on that, Margie. You said something that I think uh, probably made a lot of people's eyes go a little bit wide, which is we don't know what it's going to mean in six months. And I think upon reflection, a lot of us who made changes in our business, whose faucets went off overnight, (laughs) which was me too, had to make changes. We had to innovate in our businesses without really knowing what the future was going to look like. It wasn't like, yep, here's a new path. Let's all get on it. We're all going to go this way. Or even just for me specifically, we didn't know. We didn't know if it was going to last, not last. so we had to make we had to innovate with a lot of ambiguity. How did you personally deal with that uncertainty? Because I think for a lot of people, what held them back from innovating, even though the rug was being pulled out all over the place, was not knowing what the future would look like. So I think that shows up as I'm going to wait till the dust settles. Once this is all done, I'll get back to it. But I think what we've now learned, right? Because hindsight is 2020, is that there was no, there's no going back to anything. But you didn't know that when you made the decision. So this is a big circular question, but I, I think you know what I'm trying to ask. Like, how did you deal with that ambiguity? Um, may, may I use a metaphor? Let's just say you're driving uh, down the highway and it gets foggy. You still have to keep moving. There's traffic ahead of you. There's traffic behind you. There's traffic probably beside you. And uh, you have to keep moving you focus, you really grip that steering wheel very tightly, and you're acutely aware of everything that's happening. So um, you use the term a couple of times, getting lazy. I think it would be the very opposite, that you get acutely focused 
and hyper aware of all the changes that are happening around you. And you are, and especially with, with small businesses um, or an operational leader in a large company, you have the ability to make those micro changes and to be willing to do watching for it and watching for when you need to take action. So what a powerful analogy. Like I can see it in my head and I can imagine in the moment when the fog sets in, which is right, making that decision to, to turn right, even though like the car was headed straight ahead. <laughs> um, they, to your point, you, you just to continue on the analogy that you start really paying attention to your speed, the how how bright the light is from your headlights, um, what your passengers are doing. Uh, I don't know what other dials are in our car. You get the point. Things that you maybe take for granted when it's clear and it's like you know where you're headed versus when the fog is there. Right. Being on autopilot is dangerous, I think. It allows us to get complacent and to not really listen and look for the cues that are around us. And they're there. Um, we can do that. And slowing down. And there's a phrase, slow down to go fast or go slow to go fast. And that would be another part of that also. Being on autopilot is dangerous. I'm going to write that down and put on my little board. I think that is so true true no matter what times you're in and and extremely true in the times we're in now because you just can't, right? You just can't do it. So I I love the way you said that. Um, Share a story of a time where you did something differently to create a breakthrough. Um, In our leadership series uh, development of that programming, I would um, look for content, look for application, of things that maybe were a latent need that people would talk to me about. Um, It might be something very different than a typical leadership um, topic. For instance, I became aware of a great Broadway performer. His name is Alton Fitzgerald White, and he delivers a leadership talk based on the five major plays that he was in. He played King Mufasa in The Lion King over 4,000 times. So what did he learn in that show? What did he learn in The Color Purple? What did he learn in these other, in Ragtime, the different productions that he was in? He learned leadership. He learned innovation. He learned how Teamwork, to be- Teamwork, I'm sure. Yeah, pardon? Teamwork. Teamwork too, I'm oh, sure. Like how to work with yeah. and how to how to lead and when to follow. And his lessons within that framework were so wonderful. And um, I had to sell that to clients and to say, "You are going to learn it from a different perspective." And I promise, it's going to be fantastic. So I just want to make sure I'm getting it right in the story, though. I love it. I love what a great wow, like. I just a little bit speechless, like, wow, what a great way to position it. But if I understand you right, right, it's a little bit of a challenge to get clients to go, hey, learn from this Broadway guy. You're in the corporate world. Go learn from this Broadway guy. But you were really able to kind of sell that in to get them to see the value. And I'm sure once they were there, they felt it. Oh, yeah. And he produced really beyond my wildest dreams. His framework was so fantastic. And just being able to 
trust that creativity and leadership and innovation, as you well know, can come from many, many different places. And people are people. They're all different. They have different perspectives and backgrounds. And we want to be able to touch those in some way. Mm, I love the way you said that. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition. And I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. So I'm going to flip it for a minute. What's a big challenge you faced and how have you overcome it? Being complacent. I will say resting on your laurels, doing things the same way because you were really successful last month and last year. And it's really hard to give those things up. And, uh, but for me in particular, I love change. I love doing things differently. And it is sometimes my Achilles heel as well, but being, being willing to change and um, be innovative and not just for innovation's sake, but look for something. Um, just, this is just a silly um, story, but during COVID, we were all, you know, in our ha- homes and, they're probably more than we wanted to be. I got into a, a rhythm of looking at mundane things that I could change in my home. How can I make the bed differently? How can I fold those towels differently? Can I make that swan like they do at those fancy hotels in Mexico? It. So it was just kind of silly, but it was fun and kind of created a spark for the 
the day or the week. What a great way, though, to keep your innovative mind going. And I think so, you know, in psychology, this term called priming, which priming just means you get your mind ready for a stimulus that you want. And oftentimes when people tell me, I can't think of anything differently, I'm not innovative. What they're really saying is I haven't been doing little things to kind of warm it up and to prime the brain. I waited until that 3 p.m. brainstorm with a scented marker and then I couldn't come up with anything. Yeah. And little, but I think your story is a great one because I think little things like that add up, right? They're, they're just exercising your mind in new and different ways. You're solving problems. You're seeing opportunities. So I think, so for all of us um, everyday innovators listening across the globe, there's my challenge for all of us. Because I think we should find, do what Margie did and find something in our homes mundane that we could do differently. I'm going to see if I can make my bed differently because I'm so routine in that. I just get up, like, I make bed, I go. Like, that is, it's the same every single day. So I, I want to ask your perspective on something. Sure. Because something you, something you said just made me realize this. At least for someone like me, there's a spectrum where either I'm in inertia or I'm in massive change, right? And sometimes this part is a little bit of Achilles heel, as you and I know, like we can innovate too much or inertia steps in and that's what keeps me from innovating. It, it's not because I don't like it or I don't see it. It's like, I could either just stay the same or I could change, right? And I think inertia is actually one of the biggest challenges. And I think it's a little bit of the physics, right? Body, uh, body in motion stays in motion, a body at rest stays at rest. I think that's me. Um, I'm curious if that's kind of where you come from and how you make sure that complacency and that inertia doesn't set in. I can sense when I personally am beginning to get bored. And I know for me, that is a very dangerous thing. I don't have a dog right now, but you know, dogs that are restless, you know, they find things to do with their energy. And, um, and I think humans and um, leaders and innovators are the same. If we get um, if we get bored and restless, we know that. And I know for me, I sometimes get into trouble with that. Either I'll do something that was not warranted, it wasn't good, I did it half-baked because I was bored, or I just stay the same. And you know, another phrase that's um, death to us is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's like the exact reason to fix it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm not sure if I answered your question or not, but for me, I can sense it and I have to just get started. Just do one thing and um, just do one thing in the project, one thing in the thought process um, to get to get the inertia rolling. I love that. What you made me realize just now that I think is a great lesson for all of us is um, to really pay attention to that restless feeling because then I channel it in all the other places and I probably shouldn't. I'm like that dog that's like running around the house, right? Trying to find something to do when I can probably find a better channel for it, avenue for it. But what a great reminder to listen to that restless feeling. I want to switch um, over to everyday innovator for a second. Ask you, what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Every day, boy, that's a big word. We talked about um, uh, casual words. Um, I, I would say everyday in innovator, and I, I'm going to take that as a mindset, a mindset of innovation. Um, 
in uh, different ways in my business and different ways. I'm looking outside here for a moment right now, um, changing the color scheme on my uh, annuals that I plant. Um, this year, it's pink, purple, and blue, although my husband brought home some red, and that stressed me out. But, um, <laughs> But changing up that color scheme, just so you have a different visual field um, when you're looking at that. Um, I have changed the way my desk is set up now and um, just so I'm working in a different way, in a different space, and it helps my brain. Some people do not react that way. They like routine. They like things that are the same, and that allows them to have more creativity and innovation. So I think um, I, in particular, need to be careful about thinking that my way is the best way. Well, Margie, you're speaking my language on that. I mean, there, there are 36 different power trigger combinations. Then you add in the dormant trigger for the everyday innovator style. And some of them love a messy desk. Some of them love a clean desk. Some of them need to innovate like by speaking. Some of them need to innovate by writing or are motivated by different things. And so Thank you for saying that, because I think it's very easy for us to forget that what works for us doesn't always work for everybody else. But I think sharing your story and what you do gives sparks of, of inspiration to everybody. And I think that's really powerful. And I also, by the way, like if my desk is messy, I can't, I got I have to stop what I'm doing. I don't care what deadline I'm on. I actually have to stop and reorganize my desk and get my file folder set up and my sticky notes reorganized because I get messy during the day. I'm not a super organized person. I get messy, but then I have to back myself up because then I can't keep working. And well, I always tell my kids, a messy environment is a messy mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is true. Sometimes it's too much. You can't think anymore if you have all of these things open and multitasking has become an accepted phrase. However, the new research around multitasking the last four or five years is that you really aren't multitasking. You're multi maybe doing, but not accomplishing. And that is, I think you said it very well with um, you just have to stop, clean things up, clear things up, and then get started again. Yeah. And you know what, Marjorie, here's what I'm absolutely loving about this. If I were to like theme this interview is it's in the everyday little things. That's what being an everyday innovator is. That's what's led to, I think, a lot of your success and your ability to pivot and do what you need to do and to find new channels of opportunity after the last couple of years. But, you know, you talked about changing the flowers, how you make your bed, how you organize your desk, how you talk to a client. Like, it's all these little things that I think add up to have really powerful impact. So I, I love the angle you're taking. And I just think it's such a great a great reminder of like, hey, it doesn't have to be this big, hard thing. Just go change up your cupboards in your kitchen a little bit and see what that sparks. And it ultimately will spark something new in other places too. Yeah. Because that's what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, at, I, that, that is very true. And I, um, I don't admit this to a lot of people, but I'm a huge copycat. I see <laughs> something that's working for someone else and I'm thinking, well, would that work for me? Could I do that? And sometimes I go, no, that's really, um, that's their mindset. That's the way they do things. But what can I learn from what someone else is doing well? And how can I take that uh, kernel of accomplishment and turn that around and make that work for me? 
And that's a, a lot of fun because we all meet different people, talk to different people um, each week. And it's fun to take their success and their uh, their glory, if you will, and um, examine that and use that. I, yes, yes and yes. I, I'm often paying attention to what other people are doing and then putting it through my filter. Does it apply to me? Does it not apply to me? I'm willing to experiment with just about anything. So I'll give it a shot. And then if it works, great. I'm also, and I'd love to hear your thought on this too, before we close out. I'm actually, people always think I'm very, like, I don't want to say flighty. I don't think I get that impression off, but free-spirited, right? I'm in innovation, right? So like, tra-la-la all the time. But I'm actually uh, a free spirit wrapped up in a type A personality. So there's nothing I love more than an Excel spreadsheet and data to tell me what's working and not working and like hyper tracking all those dials in my car. Like I'm looking at everything, right? And I think measurement tells us the proof of what works for us and what doesn't. And maybe that measurement is something simple as I have more energy today, right? Like I've changed my routine or, oh, I'm getting more clients to get to the proposal phase because I've changed my language this way. I love measurements i've got sticky notes with little lines on them all over the place that are measuring random things like i i can't help myself but i think that combination of openness and willingness to experiment but also with some fact behind it is really powerful and i'm just i'd be curious what your thoughts are on that you know a a phrase that i have used in my business for a long long time when uh, we would get creative and start talking about, well, we could do this project or that project or whatever it might be. And my bottom line was always no margin, no mission. So it really does go back to that measurement and that accomplishment to be able to say, this is what we are going to do. This is what we did. And this is what happened as a result of that. And uh, it's, it's a great, easy cycle to be able to monitor. This is so good. So what, as a collaborative inquisitive, what advice do you have for other everyday innovators of all styles who are looking to innovate and influence and make an impact where you have? I would say watch and listen. Again, um, there's nothing wrong with being an imitator and um, imitating someone else. And as you said, putting that through your filter and just start. You can't, get going if you don't start. So just take a step toward the change that you're envisioning. And you might be driving in the fog for those first couple of steps, those first couple of um, ideas that you need to take action on. But just start, ask questions, look for um, validation, and then um, look for those um, successes. And that sounds really trite. But if it's a change, but it works. Yes. And if it's a change, it's going to be a little uncomfortable and to anticipate that. You know, you've said a few times, take the first step, just start. You said it earlier too. And I hope that uh, people listening don't lose sight of that very powerful nugget of wisdom because here's how I, here's my, my analogy for that. It's like when I'm sitting on the couch on a Saturday afternoon and I got to get up and do the dishes, but I don't really want to. I'm so comfortable. The dog is curled up next to me. I've got a blanket over. I've got a warm cup of coffee. And the idea of going from sitting on the couch being comfortable to tackling the kitchen is a big gap. But as long as I just 
do the first thing, which for me is put my coffee cup down, right? Because once that's down, my comfort is gone, right? And then the next step is I just stand up. And like, once I do that, tackling that next thing is fine. But I have to focus on just getting off that couch. That's it, just getting off the couch. And I think to your point, the projects, the work, the change, it's just getting off the couch. Yes. And I will, um, another example is you're an athlete. I would say I'm an athletic, not an athlete, but the, my rule of thumb is just put your shoes on. And if you don't want to go, don't go, but just put your shoes on. And then you have the choice. You know, Margie, I'm going to tell you what, first of all, thank you for calling me an athlete. That might be the best compliment anyone's ever given me. I don't know if I consider myself one, but, but I will say, so for people like me who did have been in CrossFit for years, do competitions, I'm training for an Ironman. Like it all sounds like I must be so motivated every day. But every single time I have to go out for one of my 14 mile runs, which is the block I'm in right now, you better believe that for me too, the first thing is I just got to get my shoes and I just got to get that first mile in. That's it. And Cause I know too, that once I get the first mile, the second's better, the third's better. Like it gets easier. I never walk out my door thinking, yes, 14 miles ever. It's, it's, it's the first hard step. to see that, see that. And for other innovators and um, creatives out there, another part of my life has been music. And um, I've been trying to improve my, my piano skills, my technical jazz skills over the last couple of years. And I just have to sit down at the piano and start playing something. Now, then I have to remind myself, stop playing all that stuff that you really know uh, because it feels good. Tackle some of those harder things. And, uh, but once you start, you, can, you, can't, you can't start if you don't start. That's the bottom I line. Just, what you really kind of brought to life for me is no matter where you are in your evolution, it's still about taking the first step. It's still, that's still the most important step that you have to take and the easiest one in some ways, right? To take. So thank you for that. So I know we have to wrap up, but I got a personal question for you, which is what's one thing we would be surprised to learn about you? Probably the fact that um, before COVID, I had a jazz band. We were gigging out um, three, four times a month and it really got in the way, I would say, of my <laughs> home and family life and my work life. And tennis went down the drain after that. But um, I loved it. I loved uh, putting a band together, depending on the venue and the budget we had. Do we get a horn? Do we get two horns? Um, How is this going to work? How the personalities going oh, to combine? It was awesome. Oh my gosh. So, and you play piano? You mentioned piano earlier. Do you play piano? I do play piano. I yeah. didn't play piano on the gigs. No way. I leave that to the real professionals, but I was the vocalist. I had no idea. Well, next time I'd see you, I'm going to be asking for a little sample of that vocal talent. Margie, thank you so much for joining me. Such great uh, insights coming out of this. I mean, I knew you would be. I was so excited when your, when your kind of schedule came on my desk. So, Thank you so much for joining, sharing your experience, your wisdom, and your just wonderful personality. Oh, thank you, Tamara. It's been fun. We, we spent more time getting ready than we did uh, doing the right. interview, but that's, that's well, okay. Pe- well, 
what people need to know in our hour block, I, I block an hour for these interviews. And most of the time I'm done in 35, 40 minutes, right? A little bit of front chat, a little bit end. I think you and I talked for 30 minutes first before yes. we even hit record. <laughs> we but did. you know what? Hey, we needed to catch it up. So yeah, we good. did. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, an honor being part of your show and good luck. And um, I'm looking forward to our wine and dine. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.